Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Indian restaurants are not as ubiquitous in St. Louis as some other ethnic dining establishments, but there are enough of them to get a pretty good taste of Indian cuisine. It's different in a lot of ways and is featured in the latest edition of Sauce Magazine. We wanted to learn more, so we invited Mira Nagarajan, the magazine's art director. She's American-born of Indian heritage. Her mother, Rebuthi Nagarajan, is also with us, as is Madeline Painter Tala. Her husband was born in India. I began by asking Mira if the food we order in Indian restaurants here is authentic. I think you're getting the real thing, but it is a specific kind of group of dishes that you're going to experience at most restaurants. A kind of think about it in the way I think about Chinese food. When you go to a Chinese restaurant, you're not going to get the full breadth and diversity of Chinese cuisine. Um, So in the same way, when you go to an Indian restaurant, it's a really small sliver of what you might expect when you go to India or eat at somebody's home who's prepared Indian dishes at home. Ravathi, um, could you give me some sense of how different and how diverse and what kind of variety there is in in the Indian diet? India, we have a basic differences from North and South Indian cuisine. And in North, their basic food is bread. Wheat, they produce a lot. So they, based on everything, wheat products. In South, the tropical climate, we grow a lot of rice. So the rice is the main ingredient. And we, all the people love to eat rice along with the spices and some vegetable. And these things doesn't apply in North what they eat in South. And South Indian use more spices, everything like kind of wet spices. They grind with coconut and other spices to make it more spicier. In North, we they grow lot of cattle, so their base is everything with, based with cream, butter, clarified butter. It's called ghee. So they use a lot of ghee and cream. So their food is all roasted spices with all the heavy creams. This is the major difference. When you go to an Indian restaurant in St. Louis, do you feel that you're getting authentic Indian food? That is a little hard to say, authentic, yes and no. Because you developed a taste for yourself, the particular food, how it should be. And if you go to a South Indian restaurant, and if I lived in North, that food will be very spicy. I cannot eat it. (laughs) So we have to request them, make it mild. To add to that a little bit, I think... I always joke about in the South, South Indian people, we're like, we're made of rice. If you cut us open, it's going to be a bag of rice that spills out. And all the different um, side dishes are dishes that are meant to be eaten with rice. So a typical meal would be rice with sambar, which is a tamarind lentil-based stew. And the second course would be rice with rasam, which is on our cover this month, which is a a spicy tomato um, soup. And then the third course would be rice with yogurt, which so a typical South Indian dinner consists of these three courses. My grandparents, all four of them are alive, God bless them. Um, But every night for dinner, this is what they have. 
course one, course two, course three. And for generations, that's how it's been. So you're not going to usually run into that at a, at a Western, westernized Indian restaurant. Let me ask Madeline, have you taken all of this, all of this <laughs> in? But you've had to learn an awful lot being married to a native-born Indian. Yes, I have. Um, my, my mother-in-law said to me before our marriage, after marriage, you will be an Indian, uh-huh. which is kind of a funny <laughs> statement, you know, I'm, since I'm a white American with European mm-hmm. ancestry. But what she really meant was that the culture of our family would be Indian. And a very large part of that is home cooking, that meals would be made from scratch and that we would be giving fresh homemade meals every day um, to our family. So um, she spent a lot of time with me both before and after our marriage teaching me how to make curries, how to make chapatis from scratch, um, which is like a flatbread Also, even how to make my own masalas, so how to make my own spice mixtures by grinding spices. Um, So it was quite an education, yeah. Do you eat all Indian all the time at home? Mostly at home, yes, we do eat just Indian food. Uh, My husband likes to say that we Indianize American dishes, too. Like we we make pasta using cumin, um, cilantro, and um, chili powder. So it kind of has an Indian flair to it. Ravathi, um, how about getting the ingredients? Are they difficult to to find ingredients for home cooking? Not at all. Um, If you ask me, like 20 or 30 years ago, we have one store in particular town. And neighboring small towns, you know, villages, kind of rural areas here, they all have to drive at least two hours Mm -hmm. to get things. But now every street has an Indian store. You get everything you want. It's available. I remember when we moved to St. Louis, it was, what was the store that you went to? SEMA on, um, in Baldwin on Manchester Road. That was the only Indian place that we knew of. And I remember when we moved here, it, because we moved here from Chicago, which has a huge Indian community. They even have a street. We call it Devon Street, but I think it's actually pronounced Devon Street. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's like a little India. So she came from a place where it was so accessible. And then in St. Louis, you know, 30 years ago, it was it was harder to find. Yeah. It, it would have been very difficult, I would have to think, because the, the things that you're talking about are not really common to the American palate. No. I mean, for example, we... Um, there's there's a handful of ingredients that we mention in our March issue that I think are really, you know, quintessential South Indian spices that I know my mom uses in everything she cooks, like black mustard seeds or brown mustard seeds, which are kind of like a cousin to yellow mustard seeds and um, hing or asafoetida powder, which adds sourness and sharpness to things like the way lemon and salt would do. And those aren't things that you find in your regular, you know, grocery store, even now. And we use fresh curry leaves in our cooking, which you have to get fresh from, from the store. And I think there's a lot of misconception about what even a curry is. And a lot of people will ask me, oh, well, do you use curry powder in your cooking? And I would say, no, no, we don't use mm. curry powder. But, but curry is an actual, it's a name for a plant. And we use the leaves in our cooking. What foreign influences are there on Indian food? 
the British obviously played some role in in the uh, in the. You're, Mary, you're shaking your head. Yes. Oh yeah. I mean, I think um, we were just discussing this a little bit earlier, but I think there's when you eat at a restaurant in you know in America that is an Indian restaurant. I think there is. Definitely British influence. Like, I think there's some argument about chicken tikka masala. Is it an Anglo-Indian dish? Is it, was it invented in India? Who knows? But I think, like, the British definitely adopted it as their own and definitely, you know, it's it's not a pure Indian dish. And I think what's also interesting is we were talking about a lot of North Indians emigrated from India to the West, and a lot of them opened up restaurants, and that's where that primary influence comes from, because a lot of South Indians ended up in different places, South Africa, Indonesia, Malaysia. We were just, you know, talking about that difference, and I think that is part of why when you go to an Indian restaurant in St. Louis, like, we love Taj Palace in Chesterfield. Um, but primarily, that whole menu is is a different kind of um, Indian food than what we make at home. How many Indian restaurants are there in this area? You know, we were compiling a list, and I think it's uh, around in southern Illinois and St. Louis and, like, suburbs. I think it's around 45 or 50. It's a lot more than I realized. Mm-hmm. And there's so many tiny little grocery stores, too. Like, there's a there's a place in Chesterfield also called Bombay Bazaar. There's a couple of SEMA enterprises. And then there's also a, a number of uh, grocery stores like Global, uh, Global Foods and United Provisions that have tons of Indian spices and stuff that they sell for people who want to experiment with it at home. Madeline, did it take you a long time to get used to Indian food and, and to enjoy it? And were you surprised at, at it when you became more familiar with it? I really loved the Indian food I got in restaurants um, and then I went to India, and this was before my marriage, um, and the food there was, of course, incredible and far above and beyond anything I had ever had here in the U.S. So I had an interest in it. Um, but then learning to make it, um, I'd say the the most difficult thing about learning to make it is that my family doesn't use any recipes. It's all... Mm-hmm. That's the whole problem. Like, yeah, my mom no. is an amazing cook, and I just have to watch her. Like, yeah. is that a tablespoon? Mm. What is that? I have no idea. And she does everything by touch and by smell and mm. by the look of things. Are there and any- also tasting as you go that it's um, – we were talking about this, that it's uh, getting the right balance of spices. And for me, what I've learned is that Indian cooking is really about – being masterful with your use of spice um, and, and all the different spices that go into a curry, there has to be a balance there that it can't, the heat can't overpower the other spices. That's Madeline Pantertala in addition to Amira Nagarajan and her mother Revuthi talking about Indian food in this month's edition of Sound Bites in partnership with Sauce Magazine. Back in just a moment, this is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.
And welcome back. Now to more of our conversation about Indian cuisine with Madeline Painter-Tala, the director of digital media here at St. Louis Public Radio. Madeline married a native-born Indian and has come to learn and frequently cook Indian cuisine. Mira Nagarajan and Rivathe Nagarajan are also with us. Mira is Sauce Magazine's art director. Rivathe is her mother. Rivathe, is there, is there a ritual, any ritual that uh, is associated with cooking in the home? Yes, we have lots of festivals, okay? And each festival, there are certain dish you make on those days. Uh, and everybody expect, if that dish is not there, where is the main dish? So we do follow a lot of Hindu festivals and based on for the festival, what kind of food is appropriate. So we have lots of sweets and the main course meal like your Thanksgiving thing, you know, so many variety of food. And everybody likes to, you know, try each and every one of them. And a lot of people have sweet tooth too. So we need to make at least two or three kinds of sweet dish. And we do follow that all the festival time. Like example, like a Thanksgiving, your time, you always eat turkey, right? That's the main dish. Mm -hmm. For us, we have a harvest festival comes in January. That is uh, mainly, you know, the farmers bring rice. So we make the main dish rice with the jaggery. Jaggery is a brown sugar, basically. Brown sugar and clarified butter, which is called ghee. These are the three ingredients. The taste is amazing. And everybody fond of that dish. It's called, in my language, Sakrapungal. Here in U.S. Uh, fusion version, I can say sweet rice. So, yes, we do follow a lot of Hindu festivals and, you know, combination of typical South Indian food and North Indian food, depending on the function. Madeline, what do you do on Thanksgiving? I have a family tradition that mm. I've started of mm-hmm. I make a veggie biryani. <laughs> so I call it my Thanksgiving biryani. Yeah. Um, and biryani is, um, is a dish that people from Hyderabad, which is where my husband is from, are known for. So, um, biryani has a lot of different spices. Um, it has the hang that Mira talked about, black salt, which has kind of a sulfury taste to it. Um, (laughs) you don't like that. It has mace, it has cloves. Cinnamon, um, cumin, um, black shajira. Shajira is a special type of cumin that um, is like a black cumin. It has a different flavor than the more common cumin that we use. Um, so it's quite a production to produce the biryani. So I do that um, for Thanksgiving every year. I think when you mention production, I think that's kind of when you when you brought up rituals that's what i was thinking because i think some of the dishes that my mom will make take in some cases a few days to prepare so there's a there's a a dish called dose which is um it's it's made out of rice and lentils and it's ground and fermented and then you make it into a crepe that you pan fry but for it, first of all, the rice has to soak, and that ha- takes a long time. And then you have to grind it, and that takes a while. And then you have to ferment it, and that can take two days. So I feel like when you mention ritual, I think of these kind of belabored, long processes that 
Um, and maybe that's why you also don't see it a lot in restaurants because the time to make some of these things take several days in some cases. What about meat? How does What role does meat play in the diet? Meat is a very, very common food in India. A lot of people eat chicken, lamb. Um, beef and pork, it's not that common. And these modern days, after 28 centuries, everybody eats everything. Mm. And basically, I'm a 100% vegetarian. I don't cook meat. And I don't know, Madeline uh, ever cooked chicken? I've cooked a little bit of chicken, but my husband is 100% vegetarian also, so I don't cook any meat generally for Indian food. Ravathi, um, do you ever eat anything but Indian food? Oh, yes. I uh. eat. Uh, I love pasta. Mm-hmm. Again, like what she told, my husband makes the very good pasta with the Indian touch, with, with lots of vegetables, a lot of spice, and that Italian never had tasted that kind of a pasta, <laughs> but we love it. Madeline, do you have a chance to ad lib uh, with your recipes, or do you have pretty much have to follow the, uh, the the established path? No, I don't follow any recipes. Um, <laughs> I go off of what my mother-in-law showed me. Um, I do watch some videos. There, um, there are some by Vashef. Um, Vashef, if you just Google that or look that up on YouTube, you'll find some really helpful instructional videos. But no, mostly it's more of an improvisational thing for me. At this point, I feel very comfortable with Indian spices. See, I don't, okay, at all. So I would just say, I mean, that's part of the reason why I have such a hard time learning from my mom. I, I do follow what she does and look at what she does, but I tend to look at books for at my job. You know, I love to look at cookbooks and read recipes. And I would say there's two that I would recommend. One is called Made in India by Mira Soda. She's she's a British girl. She's and her family is from India. And she has great recipes for sort of uh, an American palate as well. They're kind of toned down. They're not too complicated. And it's just a really reliable cookbook with like really good explanations for proportions on spice. Because I think novice Indian cooks like myself tend to be really heavy handed. You think everything is really bold and brassy. And so you think, oh, one teaspoon simply couldn't be enough of this particular spice blend. But it is. Um, And another cookbook I would recommend is called India, the cookbook, which is beautifully designed. And um, it comes in a little rice bag, which is very sweet. But it has a ton of recipes that range that that span the entire country. So we talked a lot about North Indian cuisine and South Indian cuisine, but the eastern, western, and central parts of the country have their own uh, flavor profiles and produce and and fruit that they um, make their food from. I'm having a little trouble understanding why there is this disparity between North and South. We started to get into that earlier, but <clears throat> India is a big place. I know that, and a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Why the difference between North and South? What is going on there? Well, I think part of it is the climate, what grows there best. And so that is what started it. But I also think what kept it going is these generational recipes that stay within your family. So my mom's, so the resum that's on the cover of the magazine this month, it's a, it's a resum with lime in it. So in our house, 
that's not the kind of rasam that we make. There's you learn how to make it from your from your mother and her mother and her mother before her. So I think <clears throat> that is part of the reason why there isn't a whole lot of diversity in the meals that you would eat. So when you go home at night, you might think, "Oh, I want this pasta dish or I want Mexican or I want Chinese food." But in my mom's home, she probably makes a handful of dishes and that's what they eat every single day. Mm. So there isn't this whole exploration of like, oh, let's try this kind of, you know, cuisine today. It's not like that. It's yeah. sort of like this is what we eat and this is what we're going to eat every day. Like those three courses I was mentioning earlier. What exactly is resum? Resum is – why don't you say it? Resum is a soup made out of tomatoes and some lentil. And there's a particular lentil called tur dal. It's available in all the grocery stores. You can, I can make it for you someday. You try it. It's like a, it is a soup, and it's very thin, and it has a spice of a black pepper and cumin seeds. Predominantly, these are the two spices more, and a little bit red chilies and coriander seeds and salt and turmeric powder. Do you know what is turmeric powder is? Mm-hmm. Sure, okay. turmeric. That's yeah. a, it's a yellow, yellow in color. Mm-hmm. Um, to add flavor, some people even add ginger to that and garlic. These are optional. If you don't like garlic flavor, you can skip it. But that resum is very good for like today's climate. When you're having a rain outside, you sit in, you know, instead of coffee, you drink resum. It's healthy and it is very soothing for your throat. What else do you drink with the meal? Wine, tea? Mm, um, that's a good point. I don't drink wine. Mm-hmm. There is the same thing in my mom's house also. We don't drink wine. I don't think your daughter takes after you in that regard, <laughs> but that's another story. Yeah, that yeah. is a totally different story. <laughs> she's, she's, uh, she's confused, you know. Like we always call ABC, American born confused. <laughs> so she is different. She drinks everything with wine. For our South Indian cooking, mm-hmm. water is the best. But some people, after coming here, the culture's you know, they like drinking wine. That fashion has come now. But people prefer water. And the end of the meal, they like to drink buttermilk mm. uh, with some curry leaves in it and salt. And that is also very soothing. So we end up the meal with buttermilk. We start the meal with our bread and rice and all kinds of spicy liquid dish, like a sauce, you know, sauce kind. I want to tell you the major differences of the Indian food. You, you said you are confused. Um, if you picture, picture a map of India and you draw a line across the middle, the northern part has a cooking that tastes more like Middle Eastern. And the south part that tastes more like Southeast Asian cooking. So this is the major difference in the cooking, but both are delicious. Madeline, you, you've had to learn a lot about spices and grains, as I understand it, that that's become a big part of your education. Right. And if for anyone who's interested in being a vegetarian, Indian cuisine is a wonderful option because because there's such a history of vegetarianism in India that they've um, they have a lot of grains, um, lentils that they use to get protein. 
So it's a wonderful cuisine for alternative sources of protein. The uh, what about dessert? What about dessert? Well, you mentioned okay. the sweet. There's a sweet tooth as part of the diet. There's no question. But following the meal, what would be typical? Well, I think there's a couple of things. There's one. There's a dish that I really love called badam barfi, which is basically you take ground almonds and you cook it down with a little bit of milk and sugar and saffron threads, and it'll it'll form. It'll kind of condense into a paste and then you pour it onto a plate and let it cool so that it come it's like a semi-soft solid and you cut it up it's sort of like eating like sweet almond butter with a little saffron in it and it's totally easy to make it's 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 it comes together in about five minutes and it's wonderfully delicious but i will also say my favorite Indian desserts are the ones that you get in restaurants because I think they're so rich and perfectly done. Gulab jamun is a little sweet donut that they – it's like probably the size of a golf ball. And you uh, fry it and then you serve it in a sweet uh, syrup. And then my other favorite is rasmalai, which is made from a fresh cheese. And they serve it in this sweetened milk with pistachios, and it's wonderful. You can get that. You can even buy that at the frozen right. section in your Indian store. So it's Rebuthi, great. Rebuthi, what's your favorite? Uh, my favorites are all time-consuming dessert, which is not going to be ready in 10 minutes or 15 minutes. You need to prepare ahead of day for tomorrow's dinner along with your meal, some dessert. So mine is time-consuming. It is like a chapati, what we told before. It's a bread, but it's a sweet bread. Uh, and the stuffing you have to make separately with the brown sugar and some lentils. That is a stuffing. And outside dough is made out of uh, bleached flour. And then you have to roll it and put the stuffing inside. Then you roll it like a bread round shape and then cook it. It sounds easier, but it is an elaborate process. Uh, it's called poli in, in our language. Again, it's a sweet chapati, short name. Do you have a favorite, Madeline? Probably ladus, mm. <laughs> um, which it's um, like a sweet uh, solid ball. That's ma- there are many different ways to make it. Revati, you want to talk more? Yeah, laddus are a lot of people favorite. Um, in uh, temples, you know, when you go for a special rituals, after two hours of ritual, people wanted to eat something they cannot sit through. So they give uh, some laddus as a compliment, you know. And everybody dying to eat for that sweet dish. It's made out of... Um, Again, another lentil called chana dal. They ground as a powder, and then you have to have a special uh, make, you know, like a chapati maker. You need to have a special long um, spoon. It's like a ladle. ladle? A ladle. Ladle. Mm. And you just gra- uh, ba- make the batter with a gram flour and deep fry them and putting it in the special ladle and fry them and make sugar syrup and pour everything in that and make balls when it is hot. (laughs) And after some time, it gets really thickened and solid. That's why you said solid, round shape and yellow in color. Extremely nice taste. 
You know, everything that you've been talking about sounds like really a production, like you spend a lot of time and have to spend a lot of time in the kitchen. Indian cooking, some of them are very elaborate. Madeline, you're spending a lot of time, more time than you might otherwise, do you think? Yes, but there are, to make a, a curry vegetable dish, it doesn't take a lot of time. Um, if I wanted to make dosas, or idlis on the weekend, just like Mira was talking about, I would have to prepare a few days in advance to set the rice aside to soak and then grind the batter and all of that. But for day-to-day cooking, there are ways to do it um, quicker. So just a, a curry with, and we eat a lot of our curries with quinoa instead of rice because it's a little bit more healthy. Um, but I can make a curry in probably 40 minutes, really? which is... Does, it's pretty fast. Does Indian or, food, typical Indian food, freeze well? Can you make a lot of it and put it in the freezer? I think so. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if if you're an avid India avid home cook, if you would agree. But if my mom makes a big batch of something, I definitely freeze it and then I will eat it later. So like things like dals, which are you know uh, cooked lentils with spices and things, I think those things are great to freeze. Um, if I if she was making a rice dish, I probably wouldn't freeze that. But I mean, I think it's just if if you if you feel like it would freeze well, just try it. It's not going to hurt it. And- also, if I could add, um, Indians use pressure cookers a lot oh. at home, and that's a really fast way to make a stew um, or to quickly uh-huh. cook lentils. You know, if you cooked lentils for a stew just using a big pot, it would take a very long time to break them down into the right consistency you want. But using a pressure cooker, you can get um, stews really quickly. How nutritious is Indian food? I think that uh, it can be very nutritious. Um, like anything, if you you know take it to the indulgent extreme, of course it can be unhealthy. But typical um, Indian home cooking involves a lot of beans, a lot of lentils. I'm sure you've heard us say that a lot, but I think that's part of it. Um, a lot of produce, a lot of vegetable dishes. And so... I think it can be really healthy. I think the only trouble is is if you're eating rice three times a day, that can kind of that can kind of get out of hand. But mm. but I think um, it definitely is very healthy. Yeah, right. you agree? I do agree. And also, um, in all the Indian meal, we also make raita. Raita is a fresh uh, vegetable like cucumber. You cut it, chop into small piece, and add some yogurt and some little seasoning with the mustard seed. That is very healthy. Some people, if they want to be on diet, you know, they eat cabbage and this raita. Cabbage diet food also you must mm-hmm. have heard. Sure. And vegetables, if you don't want to eat rice, you can eat bowl of uh, vegetable and some little raita with a yogurt-based item. You are perfectly healthy. Madeline, do you feel healthier now that you've been on this diet than perhaps before eating strictly American we definitely, um, I, well, I'd say one big difference between American cuisine and Indian cuisine is cheese, uh-huh. which I do love, but we don't eat mm. a lot of of cheese or or heavy um, cream, and it's a much more vegetable um, and plant protein based diet. So I think it is healthier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we have to put a bottom line to this discussion. Let me go around the table. Um, what do you want folks to take away from this, uh, Mira? 
it's kind of an untapped cuisine to cook with at home for a lot of people, unless you're an Indian or you know someone who is Indian. So I think getting, uh, if you just take a look at our March issue, there's a ton of ingredients that we identify as like really great pantry staples. And then a couple of Indian stores like Seema and um, Bombay Bazaar, which are, it's a great place to get started and to not be intimidated by it. The only reason you're probably intimidated by it is because it's not something that's so commonly known, but it's easy enough to learn. And like I said, I, I'm a, I'm not a recipe freestyling cook. Like I need a, I need a full recipe Mm -hmm. where I follow step by step. So those books I mentioned made in India and India, the cookbook are a great place to start. Rivathi, what do you want people to know about Indian food and Indian cooking? Uh, Indian food is, I won't say it is easy, but if you are familiar with all the ingredients, especially the spices, uh, you can develop a taste towards that. And once you are, you know, really like the taste, you don't want to go back to anything else, especially vegetarian, I'm saying. Vegetarian dishes, we have so many. And these days, oh, I don't know Indian cooking is not very common to say these days. Everybody, they research and do cooking uh, through videos. They are doing it. So people who are youngsters here, we never follow our recipe. You know, imagination playing a big role. But if people wanted to be very innovative and creative, you know, they just have to see the videos and cookbooks. They really list with the videos also. So People who want to eat Indian food, they don't need to go to a restaurant. They can try at their home, and they can get familiar with that. And, you know, there are a lot of cooking schools, like a Deerberg school. Once in a while, they do offer Indian cooking classes. They can always go there and learn, or, you know, everybody knows now friends and all, you know, they, I like Indian food. I go to my some friend's house sometime. Hey, can you make this particular dish for me? I will rather bring something else. We can have, you know, exchange that. So we do play a big role like in Indian houses, like an Italian dish or Mexican dish or Indian dish. That's the way I learned all my international cuisine. So we just have to jump into it and try it. Madeline, sounds like there are plenty of options for you. (laughs) Yes, definitely. And I want to encourage anyone who's interested in in learning Indian cuisine. It can be intimidating, the number of ingredients in recipes. But once you become familiar with the basic, um, the essential formula for a curry, then you can start improvising on that and you become much more confident as a cook. I feel like because I know... Indian cuisine, I'm confident using spices. Whenever I come to a recipe from another culture, I'm much more confident that I'll be able to use the right spices and get the right balance um, in my cooking. It it seems to me that probably the the main dishes, the ones that are most popular and they make the most, probably don't uh, taste exactly the same twice. They don't, no. They don't (laughs) always. And I'm always striving to get that that flavor that my mother-in-law gets. Um, so it does taste a little bit different from dish to dish, yes. You, you were going to say something, Reva? Yes. You know, when you cook, you should be in a happy mood. That's the number one lesson mm-hmm. my mom tells me always. If you are in an angry mood or disgusting mood, don't cook. You go out and, <laughs> fre- you know, breathe some fresh air and come. And cheerfully, if you cook, the, the food will taste much better. 
the hot spices get an over <laughs> overworked when you're angry, right? Very good for you. I think that's so true. When I'm in a bad mood, I'm a lousy cook. And I think maybe she said that too many times, and now I believe it. But I think that's right. I think if you're in a better mood, the food tastes better, too. Thanks to Mira Nagarajan and her mother, Revuthi, and Madeline Tala. Coming up, Dance St. Louis with a weekend production that St. Louis audiences will be seeing for the very first time. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.